Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I'm living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Bebe. Hi. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? Have you been melting in the heat? Oh my gosh. You know, I think it's a good thing. It's a feature because, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. Uh Sometimes I eat a little bit of salty food. And so walking outside in the middle of summer in Wuhan is a great way to just like get a free sauna. Oh, you're so right. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars, suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share. Email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. We have something not happy to talk about, but, you know, hopefully, you know, huh. we can transition to uh, some similar related topics. Very recently, 46 migrants were found dead inside of an 18-wheeler in San Antonio, and they at least have arrested three people. Apparently, these migrants had been brought into the United States, being smuggled in. Obviously, they're illegal aliens. That's the way that some people would describe them. And, uh, well, they're just people. Mm. And then they were left somewhere, just left, that mm. they just left the truck somewhere. Apparently, the driver claims that he uh, didn't know what was inside the vehicle. But then somebody complained and the police showed up and there were all these people literally dying inside. Many people Mm. were brought to the hospital and some people are pulling through. But this is according to uh, San Antonio Mayor Ron Nirenberg. I hope I'm saying that right. This is nothing short of a horrific human tragedy, which it is. It's terrible. I wanted to point out that this is a symptom of the United States not dealing with Mm. its border well well it's it's so tragic and it reminds me of the uh, the other tragic incidents Mm -hmm. i think it was what like a year or two Mm -hmm. ago and it was in europe um and this time i think back in Mm. 2017 similar things happened Mm. in the same city um and at that time i think over 10 people died and i think i read somewhere on the news that the the driver was actually on some kind of drugs oh wow I, i know like nothing about drugs so but it's just oh, all these issues, you know, like um, immigration problems, drug problems, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. gun problems. When you want to, t- if you want to talk about something sad and tragic and problematic, you like we find a long list of things we can talk about these days. I, I think you're right. I think a lot <sighs> of my American brothers and sisters are feeling the same exact way because you know there are just a series of shortcomings mm. and, and tragedies that are one after another, after another, after another, after another these days in the United States. States and a lot of people are looking for leadership that is not there. Like Right. That's the feeling we get. Before I move mm. on, I wanted to talk that this is not something that's just happening in the United States. Recently, that's true. this is really um, viral right now on a lot of social media. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but this is in uh, Morocco mm. called the Melilla incident or the Melilla massacre. It's also being called. Mm-hmm. There was a town where uh, people were rushing across the Strait of Gibraltar and they're rushing the fences and the security guards literally took out clubs and started beating people to death who had crossed over the fences. Yeah, and uh, Hmm. 189 people 
uh, were injured in some way. Those are just security offers, plus 262 others and 37 people. I wouldn't say died. I would say some of them fell from the fences and others were bludgeoned to death by the mm. security officers. Like so, fences as in a border fence? Yeah, border fences. A 29-foot iron double fence, 12 meters that people were falling off of this as they rushed to crawl over the fence mm -hmm. but they it wasn't just the stampede or the falling there is footage that is on social media where it's showing the uh, the security forces there literally beating people to death mm -hmm. i wanted to point out that the migration problems in my opinion my opinion mm -hmm. in both europe and the united states seem to be caused uh, in in part by some of the uh, foreign actions of mm -hmm. of the europeans and americans like right. people are rushing in from syria why there's a huge war in syria mm -hmm. who's bombing syria uh, you know, mm -hmm. look into that. <laughs> like it, a lot of these problems mm -hmm. are caused by America and Europe. And then when the migrants are rushing out of war zones so they don't get killed by bombs, then they're not exactly welcomed in to the places that claim to be bastions of, uh, you know, freedom and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not a great picture. So yeah. I wanted to look at some statistics because I don't want just opinion here. According to the Pew Research right. Center, the United States has about double the amount of immigrants trying to get into the country. So double from from what? From Europe, okay. about 4.8 million over the years 2014 to 2017. A little bit old statistics, but, you know, similar to what's going on now in Europe and about 10 million over the same period of time trying to get into the United States. But these are the unauthorized That's correct. immigrant right. population, right? Unauthorized. Right, you're right. You know, mm. but here's the interesting thing. A lot of the time, and this is a very political issue, so I'm going to try to be as balanced as I can. Mm. It's often pointed out that the United States... Uh, births per population are lower than they need to right. maintain their population. So immigration for the United States to maintain mm -hmm. a, uh, a feasible population is a positive thing so that they can mm -hmm. maintain their demographics. Right. But then what happens is literally certain actors in media and politics don't want literally non-white people. They call this replacement theory. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And they're afraid of whites being replaced by other minorities. Yes, it's very racist. Yes. Wow. And so this paradigm. And they have a theory about it. Yeah. So a lot of them are afraid mm. that people don't share their values are are going to come in and replace mm, them. Yes, exactly. Well, they always say values, but what they mean is non-white people. Mm, and so just us. Yeah, it's it's not a great picture. I don't want to talk about this all throughout the show because this stuff is not fun. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. So I actually wanted to talk a little bit about China. I'm an American. Mm -hmm. I'm in the process of trying mm -hmm. to get a green card. Do you know anything Ooh. about that? A Chinese green card? I've heard about it. <laughs> I heard it's really hard to get. I've seen videos of people like literally showing off their Chinese green card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do um, you know Mike Mike in China? He's very popular. Yeah. I think Wait, is that the one who did he go back to Canada or mm, I, I don't I, think anyhow, I don't maybe, think so. There's so many mics. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, so how is it going for you? Um, we applied about 10 months ago. Uh, actually, I should not say mm -hmm. we applied. I'm bad with paperwork. Really bad. And this is a lot of paperwork. I don't know if it's true or not, but oh, it's sometimes yeah. by yes. foreigners. The Chinese green card gets called the hardest green card in the world to get. And I don't know if that's true or actually accurate, uh. but it's been challenging for me. I have been married to a uh -huh. Chinese national for, I don't know, seven years. Mm -hmm. and uh, Seven years? Yes. We oh. own a home. We have mm -hmm. to actually have 
have money put in a special CD that we can't touch in the bank. Wow. All of these are requisite parts of my, there are different kinds of applications. So this is often called the marriage route. So mm. uh, we also, I, I think it's probably the easiest one. Maybe. I remember, I yeah. remember they say that you have to have like, either you are an expert. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like PhD, you have to PhD, yeah. Or, yeah, that, that's like, like the starting point or something. And then, or else you are here for investment. I don't mm-hmm. know the yeah. amount. But... I think it's a half a million dollar investment in a uh, field that is prescribed oh. by uh, the central okay. government. And yeah. then the third one, I don't remember, but it's like, you know, it's pretty high criteria. Yeah. And then the last one is by marriage. So there's, there's like, also you know, the... <laughs> bicultural heritage and ethnicity, actually. So really? if you okay. are a, a, an ABC or a uh, BBC, I guess that is <laughs> the term, whatever. then it's actually easier because you have family. So you could say, oh, my grandpa or whatever lives there. Hmm. And then you can use that as a mechanism to get this green card. My wife finished filling out all this paperwork. She had a bundle of all required documents, all necessary documents that was like, I want to say three or to four centimeters thick. (laughs) And some of it's translations. So it's like, okay, here's your uh, American document for this or that. And then it's been translated. So there's like multiple versions of the same document there. And mm-hmm. we submitted this 10 months ago. They actually called us recently. They called oh, us a, a week ago mm-hmm. and they were like, uh, oh, uh, do you want a home? And we we're like, uh, yeah. And they were like, OK, make sure you put that in the paperwork. And so I guess that uh, was one thing we missed. But you, sometimes they make you start over. They're like, oh, you sorry, you didn't put that you own a home in here. So you have to start over. I know people that that's happened to. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, no, just submit it really fast. Can you get it to us by tomorrow? So we did. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully I'm, I'm hoping in the next month or two to get good news. If not, it's going to be OK, you got to start over. <laughs> well, yeah, but still, it's good that you heard from mm-hmm. them. So they're actually processing it. Yeah. Um, and I heard that it's, uh, well, some people say it's the hardest green card to get, but part of the reason is, um, there's not really like an established mm-hmm. system that's been running, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like in the U S people have been getting green mm-hmm. cards for like what decades. So, um, mm-hmm. everything is worked out, but I think it's a newer thing in China. So part of the reasons is that not that many are processed every year, but that might change in the future. I found some of the qualifications for people who might be interested in applying for the permanent resident permit in China. I guess we call that, uh, a green card. Yeah. So you have to pass the usual medical test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> literally green. Okay. It's also literally green. Oh, so you have to pass a medical it's test. literally green. Right? No, <laughs> I guess, terrible health conditions. Mm-hmm. You have to have a clean criminal record. I think that one would take a long time to get. I hmm. think the, the health check is not just for like, oh, do you have syphilis <laughs> or something? I don't know. But it's like, it's also to make sure that you don't do drugs. Yeah, I wanted to mention that. Because, but I was yeah, like, hmm, yeah, shall yeah, I say yeah. that? Because that's that's like really it's a really sensitive thing in China. Not that in some ways. I think it's important. Yeah. You don't want people coming into your country who are heroin addicts. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. OK. Um, but the, the thing is, like people don't you don't really hear about drugs in China. Mm-hmm. So um, like if you talk to most Chinese people, like that's just not something that will come yeah, up yeah, in our yeah. usual conversation. You're right. I, I never hear. About yeah. It. But, you know, when it comes to things like this, I think they would be pretty strict about it. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen in the news 
news. Uh, I don't know if you've come across news like this. There were people in the countryside who, you know, they wanted to grow some poppy seeds. Not, not poppy seeds, like poppy, you know, the plant for making opium. You mean to like to put on their bagel? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there are different things, right? The, oh, okay. This is like the, the, the poppy plant to make opium. Oh, wow. And it has this beautiful flower. And um, and it has this pod where, you know, they they there's this like juice come out and that's what they use to make uh, the drug. Wow. So there are people who are like, I like this plant. It's beautiful. <laughs> and they have like just literally just like six plants <laughs> like in their backyard or something. Once the, the people found out, maybe neighbors and they'll. You know, they were reported and the police officers mm. would come over, and, you know, <laughs> and pull these all out. They were like, wait a minute. These are just plants. You know, they have beautiful flowers. They're like, don't you know what these are? Wow. <laughs> They're like confiscated. <laughs> but so it's, you know, pretty strict. So you need to pass the usual medical test, mm-hmm. clean criminal record. I don't know. Did you go through hard to get, right? Can I, yeah. Can I go through that process? Because it is sure. a really, there's, there's two different ones you have to do. And I'm not sure how it is for other people. I'm from America. So what I had to do, because I can't fly back and forth right now, is I actually had to hmm. pay a service. And what this service did was do what I should have done if I was in the United States. And you need to or, order online from the FBI Ooh. that you have a clean criminal background. That means it covers all 50 states. So if you can't just go to the California state and get a criminal background, Uh they want the FBI background check so they can make sure that you have never committed a crime in all 50 states. Mm. Once my my service that I paid had the FBI background check, that needs to be brought in where the state I'm from, California, to Sacramento, where the state of California puts a seal on the paper Mm. saying, yes, this is actually an official document from the FBI. So it's been verified by the state department in California, in Sacramento, that the document from the FBI is not like disingenuous or whatever. No, fake. Wow. I feel like the FBI is like, what? You question my authenticity? <laughs> well, anyone, I guess you could just print it. So then the state verifies that it's real mm. and they give like a, a special stamp that makes the paper bend. So oh. it, then it, you can feel it with your fingers that has the state seal on it I and see. the state department seal. Then it needs to be brought in my state to San Francisco to the Chinese embassy where they triple check it, I guess. The, uh-huh. the second check, double check. Oh. Anyways, they double check the document to make sure that it's authentic again. And oh. then it was mailed to me here before we then had translators translate that document. And so we had in duplicate and then give that over to the Chinese Ooh. government. But there was another part. That's just the American part for the because I've been living in China for uh-huh. many years. Have I committed a crime Have in you? China? We all <laughs> No. About, then we had to go to the police and have them in China give a background check to show that I've never committed a crime mm. inside China. And then these two criminal background checks together are submitted <laughs> to show that, in fact, I'm not like robbing banks or whatever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So how long did this process take? Um, the one in America took like a month and a half oh, to do. But it could have been done in like a couple weeks. But it was all the mailing around and someone else is doing it for me kind of thing. Wow. Okay. That sounds complicated. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't commit any crimes. You know, I think this is the <laughs> same <laughs> anywhere. I think you need to do a criminal background check if you go to Korea. You need to go a criminal background check if you go to Japan. You need to do it well, for jobs. No, for like, yeah, you for jobs yeah. and for like, yeah. I think I be when I first came to China like 10 years ago, I had to do a criminal background check in the United States the same.
same exact process mm-hmm. just to get the job in China because they don't want, you know, like shady characters coming into the country. <laughs> exactly. Coming over into the country. Exactly. You exactly. ever, you know, think about doing anything bad <laughs> and uh, don't. Because, yeah, in case you Don't. need to you want to go to other countries to live and uh, you want to be able to find a mm. job, you will need this. OK, like mm, a clean mm, background. So, yeah, yeah just... I don't think parking tickets count. So, so you know, <laughs> but still do not drink and drive <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, you know, yeah, speed or whatever. A D, uh, yeah, exactly. A DUI might prevent you from being able to live abroad. That's so, drinking yeah. uh, under influence. That's correct. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know that they are really strict about it. I forgot about the rules in, in the States, but in China, it's like you can go to jail mm, 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 or, or some kind of like custody for like mm. six months drinking mm. like DUI. Well, I have a question. Do you drive or does your husband drive, baby? He does. I don't like driving, so I try to avoid it. Have you been <laughs> through a uh, like an alcohol checkpoint where they check the drivers to see if they're intoxicated? I've never. We've never. I've never actually seen it in China. But Morris, our mutual friend, a friend of the show from Hong Kong, mm-hmm. has li- been living in China for 25 years. Mm. He's been through it. So he drove through this and he told me a couple stories i think morris forgot his id and his wife was driving oh. and the police were like where's your id oh. and then like she went off apparently <laughs> was huh. not super cordial okay they were like okay okay just go really? <laughs> because they had not been actually drinking right okay they probably you know uh, could tell that <laughs> but anyhow sometimes they they will just have like you know random checkpoints mm, mm, mm. and it, well sometimes they're stationed outside you know certain popular restaurants or something uh. like that but just don't yeah. do it. Just don't do it. Yeah. There's no public intoxication law really here. So if, as long as you're taking a DD or a taxi home, mm. you're fine. And also there are certain, heard that there's certain junk food, like uh, there's this bun, <laughs> like a cake bun or something, mm, that mm, if you mm. eat that, you might come out positive or, you know, you're my, you might show off really? uh, some alcohol level. Wow. Yeah. But if you want details of that, you know, you can find it online. Oh, yeah. Takeaway Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Takeaway Chinese, we will promise you a difference. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable, where the East meets the West, and understanding is the goal. From North to South, East to West, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. You're listening to The Bridge. go back to the uh, permanent residence permit in China. So green card and permit. Uh, you need to fulfill at least one of the following requirements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So either you are, you have urgently needed skills or talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess what? Like um, urgently needed talents? These, like if you can make, if you can make chips. Microchips. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. I was thinking if you know something about semiconductors or microchips, right. then yeah, exactly. Or if you have one of those machines that can make those chips in your backyard <laughs> that you don't need anymore. And it's like, you know, I don't know, costing a couple billion RMB or something. Yeah, contact us. <laughs> you know, I, ma- I imagine that if you're STEM and you have a PhD or a master's degree, there's probably a very high probability that you can be fit into one of the categories that China needs. Master degree, probably. Well, let me see. I have this like whole paragraph. So it's meant for foreigners. This is like, mm-hmm. huh, urgently needed skills and talent. Article 13 is meant for foreigners with urgently needed mm-hmm. talents recommended by the authorities in industries and regions, academics, researchers recommended by universities and research institutions. So you would need like these kind of recommendations. Mm-hmm. So in high, individuals in high tech, innovation sectors and senior management personnel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. recommended by well-established domestic companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and latest versions of the draft regulations doesn't mention any minimum residency period as mm. a requirement. Eh, anyhow, or I would imagine aerospace. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Sure. Or uh, what's hot these days? Uh, like energy. Yeah. Energy, aerospace. You know, actually, the thing about it is alternative energy. China's already in the lead in every single f- offshore. Oh, darn it. <laughs> uh, offshore water, offshore wind. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they manufacture the most. They use the most. Hmm. And uh, solar panels, They China manufactures the most and uses the most. So I don't know what experts could come to China and tell them anything they don't already know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> OK, so that's for the first category. The second category you have expertise and income and study. That's Article 15. Uh, it allows for three kinds of foreign citizens already working in China with clean tax and credit records to apply for permanent residency mm-hmm. permits. So either you have a highly regarded university degree mm. and you've been working in China for at least three consecutive years. Yeah. And then you're working in a key industry mm-hmm. or region for the same length of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've worked in China for at least four years with an annual wage no less than six times the average of the city wage. Ooh. Wow. You know, no less than six times. Huh? I was looking, I don't, maybe this is not, because you probably, it seems like you have the most recent iteration of these rules, Mm. but when I was looking at alternatives, one of them was any professor who has been teaching at a Chinese university for three years. So if you have a, not a a lecturer, so we're not talking about someone with an English degree, Mm -hmm. master's or something, but Mm. if you have a PhD and you are teaching as a full professor, which first you have to become associate professor, assistant professor, then full professor, Mm -hmm. and you have been teaching as a full professor for three years Mm. in any field, Mm. then you can also get the green card. Oh, okay. Well, I think that opens the door for many more people. Mm. Um, And so we're talking about, you know, you need at least six times the average city wage. Mm. Mm. So the in 2019, the average monthly wage in Shanghai was roughly 10,000 RMB, like slightly shy of that. So six mm. times that. Mm. You need to be making like six, 60,000 60, RMB per month. If you working in STEM, uh, it's not hard to make that much money. <laughs> okay. All right. And that's like back in 2019. Yeah. The third category is for investment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Article 16 is for foreigners who have made foreign investments in China worth at least 10 million RMB. Oh, wow. 10 million. 10 million. That's more than $1 million. So it's gone up since yeah. I researched this. Yeah. Well, inflation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> 
is uh, and, and it has to be in one of China's encouraged mm. industries. Microchips. So I guess not in like, you know, yeah, yeah, toys yeah. and stuff. Yeah, microchips. Aerospace. Consist- consistently over the course of at least three years. And you need a clean tax and credit record to prove mm, it. Mm, and mm. the investment total is lower if the investment is in less developed areas in Western and Central China. Well, that mm. makes sense, right? And mm. then last category, spouse, children, or elderly for those who have been married to a Chinese mm-hmm. citizen for at least five years, mm-hmm. and you have to be in China for five years consecutively, uh, spending no less than nine months per year. Mm-hmm. So if you like, you know, you've been married and living in China <laughs> for five years, and then the last year of that, you decide, oh, I'm going to go travel. And then you spent like, you know, four months somewhere mm-hmm. else um, outside the nation. And then that that five years just poof. there's other things, too, because you reminded me from reading the previous uh, documents, the previous uh, categories. Actually, you, one of the things we had mm-hmm. to submit that we did our taxes in China and that we paid our taxes mm. in China. One of that was one of the documents that we had to provide because, say, if you some foreigners, they don't really understand how to file their taxes and they sometimes let their employer do it. And then they don't follow up and go to the tax office. Mm. You One thing for foreigners who may be listening to this show inside China, you need to go to the tax office every year. You can't just count on your employers paying your taxes. You need to go double verify and resubmit them personally and make sure you haven't missed anything and then keep those documents because those are important documents for purposes like this and also just not getting in trouble with. So for all the years that you've been in China, you go to the tax office every year? I'm not that smart. My wife goes with (laughs) me. Oh my God. Every year you go to the tax office? I mean, who goes to the tax office? Yeah, we do. Because she does hers online, but mine, I usually we go in person and like check. They check my passport and they check my documents. And oh wow, you are like the model foreign citizen. Honestly, in every country, I'm always like that. You know, in class, let's look at it from a school. Mm-hmm. When the teacher says these are the five rules of the class, mm-hmm. I'm that student who's scared to break. The rule. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the things we're talking about, like getting a green card, things like that. It's hard enough mm-hmm. right, for anybody, but imagine for someone who have not been to uh, the tax office who have like broken some minor laws or um, <laughs> it's just so much harder. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not going to be. Yeah. No green card for so you. All your discipline will pay off, Jason. Yes. Good it, for you. Being a good boy has benefits. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And probably less spanking when you were little. Uh, yeah? You know, that is true. I don't want to go into a great detail, but you know, okay. my parents thought Jason's the good one. So <laughs> me, me and my so yeah, two older brothers, they did all the bad things. And then <laughs> I, I looked at you. them and I was like, I don't want that. So like, <laughs> I was like playing chess in the corner with the, with the encyclopedia set out. I literally wow. read the encyclopedia. I was so nerdy. I was literally reading the encyclopedia and you were like, a child. You were like, I'm just trying to be safe here. <laughs> well, I mean, actually I found it really interesting. Yeah. So the pictures were so fascinating. Well, I love, you know, I was, I don't, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I'm going to, Okay. you know, I love encyclopedias and I've been hearing a lot of bad stuff about Wikipedia lately because like, I want to give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, recently in terms of being, a good boy. Sure. So I'm just going to go off on this a little bit. Um, there were 45,000 submissions of articles for Wikipedia about Scotland. And recently, or very recently, Wikipedia found out that a lot of them were fake oh. and had to pull 10,000 articles off. Hmm. So that is like trust breaking. I'm sorry, but like Wikipedia is not mm-hmm. a place to go learn stuff <laughs> unless it's very general. So I really want to you know? buy a set, you know, like get the really mm-hmm. the big 20 volume set. I want a set of encyclopedias again. They're not that expensive. Like, you know, sometimes if you go on to like TikTok, the Chinese one, Mm -hmm. they sell they sell them for like the uh, 
the children's market. Mm. Like parents buy them for their kids.、Mm. Um, and usually you can get them at pretty decent prices. But they are available. They are available. You are. I don't know if a lot of our listeners know, but you are actually an expert in books. You you do、uh, your own show about books. What is that?、Oh, I love reading. Why don't we add? What、oh. what show is that? How can we get access to that, baby? Um, I have my own WeChat public account.、Mm-hmm. It's called Baby Shu,、mm-hmm. which means like you know Baby's bookstore or something、mm-hmm. like book house, book salon. So and we read every week.、Mm. We take like two to three hours, and this must seems like for you know for people not in this, it must seems like the most boring live show ever. Like you don't see anybody. People love book clubs in America. They're super popular. They they probably get together, you know, over coffee, <laughs> right? And dessert and things like 2022. that. It's twenty twenty two. Yeah, but what, I, what we do is we actually like my camera is focused on the book.、Mm. And as we're reading these、uh, highlighted paragraphs, paragraphs that I think are important, you know, from this because because we can't read the entire book.、Um, so from the outside, people when people just you know like checking out what you do, they think it probably this is like the most boring thing. <laughs> But for people who are already in the book, like we are actually in the mode of reading、mm-hmm. and learning, it's fascinating.、Mm-hmm. You really get to learn a lot of things. Dunhuang, situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted, and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire. Faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for two thousand years. Dunhuang, a place born in legends. Buckle up for our new podcast. Why we love Dunhuang, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe to the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Why we love Dunhuang? You will have your answers. Listening to the bridge. I wanted to talk about a story of a friend of mine. He's currently a、uh, doctor, philosophy, and he teaches、Ooh. in Ottawa University. Wow! I and he used to have like a, a who has the biggest library kind of rivalry. His name is Devin.、Mm-hmm. He's really smart, or、mm-hmm. maybe Doctor Shaw. Anyways, he one time I went to his house where his father, you know, his mom and dad live. One time. Back in、uh, California,、mm-hmm. and they were receiving a big box of books that they had recently ordered, and I was like, I thought, I thought、mm-hmm. I was into books, and then him and his dad took the books out, and were like, Oh, look, the paper's been、mm-hmm. upgraded, and look, the ink has changed, and they've changed the font style, <laughs> and they were smelling the book. Oh, it smells、mm-hmm. more like this now, and they're、mm-hmm. like, Oh, I guess this publisher, and they knew the publisher really well, had just switched over、mm-hmm. in the last six months to like a new, f- like, and I was like, Whoa. 
This is a whole new level of That's, like nerd. I know. <laughs> I'm a bit like that too. Like I love mm. buying books mm. and I've been spending so mm. much money because, you know, I buy these uh, books published in other countries, like mostly in English, right? Mm. And they're expensive. Like books are so expensive, like especially in the States mm. and in the UK. Like, in the States, if you want to get new books, they're like at least what, $16.99? Right. Like the diesel mm. ones, the best sellers. And then yeah, 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 yeah. hardcover, they go up to like twenty ninety nine or twenty nine oh, yeah. ninety. Really expensive. I know. Some of the books I want are be like one hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. Because a lot of the really, SO, you know, rare books, books about right. very specific academic topics mm -hmm. are actually more expensive because less people buy them. Exactly. And therefore, like, you know, academics or experts were willing to spend. But despite mm. the price tags, I've been buying a lot of books. But at the same time, I've been buying less of other things. You know, because we're so focused, like me and my book club members, we're so focused mm. on reading and just absorbing all that knowledge and wisdom mm. um, that actually influence our lives. That we're so into this that, you know, the other external material uh, things mm. um, are just like out of our vision. So it looks like we've been spending money on books. But if you compare it to other things like, you know, dresses for ladies, shoes mm. and bags. Mm. That's like, it's like nothing, yeah. right? You can't, you can't get anything for like $15, $16, anything decent. Yeah. And then, you know, for ladies, we, we don't really blink our eye while we, you know, buy dresses and stuff. Mm. But anyhow, wow. I love books. And um, shall we get back to our topic? Absolutely. Green cards, immigration. <laughs> <laughs> immigration. So I wanted to say, you know, when we talk about Im immigration, something that comes to my mind is that um, how willing are the governments to go to the root of the problem mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because building walls, that's like the last stop, man. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Th these people have literally gave up uh, their own homes, right. To go into a foreign land. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 they're stuck at the last stop. But I think, you know, when I think about issues like this, I think of the Belt and Road projects, mm -hmm. uh, Belt and Road initiatives. Yeah. Because, you know, it's actually helping the locals um, in other countries develop. You yeah. Know, if you That's a really good point. Right. When I was thinking root, I was thinking immigration still. Mm -hmm. And you're actually talking about helping the world become such a better place that they don't Stable. need to leave. Right. Exactly. Wow. You offer yeah. them some kind of hope, at least. Yeah. To work on their own land. Yeah. Right. And it's not just about um, like sending them food, yes. not just worrying about the next meal. Teach yeah, them and to also, fish. You know, about teaching them to fish. You got to have a lake first. Right. Digging the wells, paving the roads and these projects. Ooh, wow, baby. This is some deep. This is a deep conversation. <laughs> now, if you uh, if you're interested, this is one book I really recommend. Mm -hmm. You can read about uh, one belt and pen. one road. I'll, I'll send mm -hmm. you a picture later. Um, And then you have a deeper understanding of what China has been trying to do. You know, is that the name of the book? If you search that, probably other things will pop up. But I'll show you a picture later. Um, yeah. You know, by reading mm -hmm. about uh, One Belt and One Road. You know what's really funny? I don't want to interrupt, but I'm actually writing a book about One Belt, One Road right now. I'm about one third through. And I've been researching some of. Really? Yeah, I've been researching some of the projects that China is doing specifically in Africa right now. Aren't you amazed? And I'm, I'm blown away. Mm. Oh, my gosh. There's so much that China is doing. So, you know, Nigeria is going to have one of the largest populations in the future. People don't know that, but it is. And China is actually really helping the country of Nigeria, along with dozens of other countries, mm -hmm. um, build a lot of infrastructure. And what they call these normal trains, which are like standard trains throughout mm -hmm. the country, have been mm. 
built by Chinese companies mm. and, and mostly a lot, you know, a lot of people th- Oh, debt trap. No, 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 no. Mm. China's paying for most of the project itself. And then there's only a little bit of like financing from other institutions. Mm-hmm. And they're building these all over Nigeria. These, these really like, basically fast trains, trains that are faster than the ones in the United States mm-hmm. where goods and, you know, can be moved around. People can be moved around mm. people where, where people had to walk for a week to get somewhere. Or now they can get, get on a water, train, you know? Like- yeah. Now they, yeah, they can, then now they could just like take, get on a train and shoot down to this other city. And mm. the, you know, this is creating prosperity because they're able to trade with other villages and other cities and other countries right. now where they couldn't before. And this is increasing people's livelihood. And it, it, it's remarkable. This is just one thing. There are also a group in China that's part of South Development through the United Nations, which is part of One Belt, One Road, mm-hmm. too. And they're investing in like teaching people better agricultural uh, techniques, drilling wells in different countries all over, building uh, power plants in South Africa and other countries. It's just amazing the amount of projects going on all at the same time. Yeah, I mean... Like, China is not very good at advertising itself. Mm, mm, like, it's mm, been mm. doing things, like, great things like this, that uh, with a long-term mm. uh, view. You know, it's not just about stopping things in, yeah. in front of your doorway, right? It's about giving hope to people uh, who are having trouble. So you, I think if you read into these, like, uh, if you, are, you have the patience and the humility, really, to get to know what China has been doing, you get a feel of the intention. You know, the, the long term view that uh, like the Chinese government takes, mm. it's not asking for some feedback, some kind of re- reward. Like mm. we do this mm. project, you, mm. you give us uh, like money back three years later, two years later. It's uh, it has the view of, you know, 20, 30, 50 years. Mm. Let's uh, build this road or this port. And it offers people, the local people, employment opportunities. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, so they mm-hmm. don't have to go elsewhere to look for jobs and in in long term they'll have their water right they have the railway and also well some people may ask yeah right why would china do that right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. why would china spend so much money on other countries even chinese people ask the same question yeah um i vaguely remember talking about this in the show but anyhow so you know china has a lot of um uh foreign reserves Mm -hmm. yeah right because of its exports Mm -hmm. so it has like loads of uh, like dollars, mm-hmm. uh, probably other thing, but mainly dollars, and we can't really use that money domestically, mm-hmm. and so that's a you know very good resource for doing projects, uh, projects abroad. And, you know that's been used to 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 fund projects abroad, and at the same time, um, it, it's a good opportunity to to you know introduce Chinese goods, mm. right? Instead mm-hmm. of using mm-hmm. let's say trains, high speed trains from Japan or France. Try the Chinese ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and every all the standards um, will be adopted, um, the Chinese standards. And of course, in the future, if uh, they need more trains, they will come to China to buy them. And also, we train them, train the personnel. They're, you know, uh, train drivers who come to China to study from Africa, right? And then they go back and they become the expert and they can train other people. Mm. So it's, um, it's, it's not just about let's spend money there. There will be rewards. It's just that it takes, uh, it takes, it takes time, right? And it takes input. It takes your 
expertise. You have to send people there to train the locals um, and and to help them build the things. So you mentioned uh, China's not great at advertising itself, and it's not actually. So I wanted to actually help China out a little Oof. bit with our listeners. For those of you who want to do more research, mm-hmm. there is a you can go to their website, but you can also they have a Twitter account, CIDCA official. This is the official account of part of China's outreach where they do humanitarian projects, mm-hmm. and they are posting stuff on their Twitter account all the time. For example, there is a China-Rwanda Belt and Road Cooperation Project where they built a highway that employed 600 local Rwandans for the duration of the the building of the highway. And so it's 66 kilometers long. It was started in 2019. And this is really helping a lot of local people move goods instead of having broken down a road that took days and days to go. Now people can move things in a single day. Mm -hmm. And so this is a really great opportunity for China like you said, to be able to sell or buy goods with Rwanda win-win cooperation. But it's also a great way, like you said, to employ local people. So I encourage our listeners to get out there and learn more about this. And also it's a way of building uh, relationships between countries, between the people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Through these projects, the local people will uh, learn about China, Mm, mm, like mm. actual facts about China, because so many things you hear about China are just like opinions, Mm, mm, right? mm. Thoughts about China from other people. But if we read um, into these projects that are actually going on, if you read into what China has actually been doing, it's so much greater than hearing other people uh, telling you their opinions or feelings about Mm -hmm, China, mm -hmm. because they might be biased, right? Um, But uh, I I found the book, Jason. Mm. (laughs) Great. The the Belt and Road, uh, the subtitle is A Chinese World Order. Mm. Well, that might be a little threatening, (laughs) the sound of it. So let's ignore that. Um, and the author is Mr. Brano Maqueas. Um, he is Portuguese, so I don't know if I pronounce his name right. He was formerly the he was formerly Portugal's Europe Europe minister mm. from 2013 to 15. Um, and he's written for like the Financial Times, The Guardian, The Foreign and Foreign Affairs. So um, and he's a senior advisor at Flint Global. And a senior fellow at Renmin University in China. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, I learned so much from this book. It's um, it's eye opening. I mean, I'm absolutely going to read that. If I'm writing a book about the same topic, I 100% am going to take that. But but I wanted to mention that before I pivot mm-hmm. back to what where how this argument started five minutes ago. The reason Bebe <laughs> brought this up is to show that instead of creating immigrants that need to migrate to somewhere else, Mm. China is helping people so that they have prosperity at home, which is like, like you mentioned, addressing the root of the problem. So like if Mm. the United States is having such a large problem with Latin Americans rushing into America, one of the things that the United States could try is to copy, emulate China's good example and Mm. help develop parts of Central America so that they don't have the necessity of dying on Mm -hmm. journeys to get into the United States isn't there. Want to learn about world affairs in a more laid back and accessible manner? Join insiders, experts and analysts in the casual setting of the chat lounge to hear their personal experiences and opinions on major events and hot issues. Subscribe to Chat Lounge for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. From north to south, east to west, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. My this music talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. You're listening to the bridge. Also has a huge problem when it comes to illegal immigration and also refugees right, from from other countries. Now, in one of those books I read, the author said,、uh, "In fact, China has been doing the job that European countries should be doing、mm. by,、uh, you know, offering these development、um, projects and opportunities in Africa, especially in northern parts of Africa." Uh, because if you don't solve the problems at the, you know, the these the countries in the inside the、mm-hmm, countries mm-hmm, themselves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they will find a way to, you know, cross the sea. Yeah, yeah. Like to cross the border, it's not that far away. Yeah, exactly. If I'm in a war torn place, right, that has been created by imperialism and like bombs、mm. are dropping. If I have children, the first thing I'm going to do is figure out how to get them、right. out of there, right? Exactly. So,、um, like, what、well, Europe should be dedicating. Uh, more, or, you know, I guess making a better effort is to help the people mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. recover, right? Recover their lives and develop their lives. The I mean, who really、mm-hmm. wants to、mm-hmm. just、mm-hmm. upend their lives, right? Leaving everything they're familiar with to go somewhere else. Most people are forced to do so, or they're so、uh, unsatisfied, or their their lives have been endangered. So you know,、mm-hmm. don't just complain about、uh, people crossing the border illegally, or you know, the amount of refugees. Help them, help them the way that will actually make their lives better where they live. And、um, so, but also, I think one of the glaring differences between the mm-hmm, way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like China does things and the way the U.S. does things is that. A lot of the things, if you look at the actions from the U.S. government, they're so <laughs> short-sighted. You know, they solve the problem right <laughs> in front of them, and then they kind of like stop there <laughs> because that's the easier way, <laughs> right? You want to like just、um, let, let's build the wall, you know, keep the people out. Does it work? Well, to to a certain extent, right? But that doesn't solve the problem. <laughs> But、um, if you look at China's actions. They always take the longer view. Yeah, you know they they know sometimes they know that there are easier ways to do this, but oftentimes they will go they will take the harder、mm. road and the longer road, but to be able to fix the problem、mm. much more effectively and with much less damage in the process. I 
kind of want to say something a little controversial. Sure. So, you know, I think it seems more controversial than it is because it, this is only a minority of people that really push back. Because when people say that things like this on social media, they actually get a lot of positive feedback. Mm. You know, the United States spends $811 billion on its military. Mm. And it's always saying it's for security purposes. If it took one or two hundred billion dollars away from that budget and spent that on humanitarian uh, like issues around its security, like helping people in other countries. Mm-hmm. No one would want to hurt Americans. There wouldn't be a, a group of people that were like mm-hmm. challenging the United States because everyone would be like, oh, wow, the United States is becoming a, a source of good mm-hmm. source of helping people. And there wouldn't be enemies to defend the United States from. So I'm not saying mm. don't have a military. Obviously, that's a silly thing to say, but definitely maybe divert some of that crazy amount of money mm-hmm. to just what you're talking about. Humanitarian issues around the world create a world of peace and stability so that there is no need for as much security. Yeah, but doesn't work if the people who are making money from yeah, yeah, yeah. the military complex mm. Are in power, mm, right? Mm, they, that I think that's where we get stuck. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just when it comes to humanitarian issues; many other issues too. It's even related to mm. the food we eat, mm. and I, like most people won't think about it. But I've recently finished reading another book. It's called The Omnivore's Dilemma, I've heard of and it. you will be amazed. Yeah. You've heard of it? It's it's a wonderful book. Uh, I really really recommend mm. it. And um, it tells it, it it compares the industrial chain, like food making chain mm. in the U.S. Mm. with a more natural way of uh, planting and eating mm. also in the US like one of those smaller farms who are mm. you know trying really hard to show people that how we should eat how we should keep animals how we should grow so it, i was really surprised to find out that a lot of the food we eat they actually came from petroleum like one way or another right either um like a lot of the corn we what? eat oh you mean like tractors no not just the tractors not just the fuel that's used to uh, fuel the tractors or transport the food, mm. but also in the fertilizers. Mm. And, and also some food are directly like derived from petroleum. What? Uh, yeah, well, you know, petroleum, that's like... You're scaring me. <laughs> I'm not scaring you. You should read that book. You'll learn so wow. much. Like I learned so much about... Like you, after you read that, you'll stay away from like chicken nuggets. <laughs> I know you like, I, I know that will be very sad. Chicken nuggets are gasoline. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> um, like most of it can be traced back to gasoline. Wow. Because the chicken, they eat the corn and the corn is fed, uh, is fertilized with petroleum derivatives, you know, fertilizer made from petroleum. Wow. Right. And also uh, like they're transported across the distance. Right. So yeah, yeah, anyhow, yeah. there's a lot more details. But I remember the author was interviewing one of the uh, corn farmers mm-hmm. and, and one of the um, other farmers uh, doing more like organic ways of planting. Mm. And they tied this way of industrialized uh, food production to the military complex. They're like, we're just working for the military complex. Wow. Because in the end, like a lot of the profit actually goes to that. I- I'm so confused right now. Everything you've just said has blown my mind. <laughs> I'm going to have to spend the next six <laughs> months learning about what you just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's one way of it's one excuse for spending so much on the uh, on the military. Yeah, um, because to protect um, our sources of oil. Like to be able to have enough oil coming into, let's say, the United States for mm. everything mm. We, that we need. Mm. You need like warships, right? Mm. To to make sure that the uh, the seaway, whatever, you know, when you're transporting the oil, it's safe. Um, and to you know, for national security and all that reason. 
So mm. it's like everything ties back to that. That is scary. But that's like a new, new, new chapter. It is. Mm. Yeah. So I, I finished reading this like literally just last month and I learned so much from it. It's by Michael Pollan, mm. P-O-L-L-A-N. And the title is The Omnivore's Dilemma. Subtitle, The Search for a Perfect Meal in a wow. Fast Food World. And after you read that, next time you go back to the States, um, you will be much more careful with what you put <laughs> in your mouth. In, in a lot of cases, they're not what you think they are anymore. Wow. You know, I knew I knew that yeah, a lot of things were derived from corn, like flavors and additives and sugars. and. A but lot. I didn't know that there were, I didn't yeah. know that petroleum was a source of, you know, fertilizing. That's just blowing my mind. It's really kind of scary. Yeah, but it's much more complicated than that. I just, that's all I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. 2,500 years ago, an old man rode on his buffalo and headed west of China. Before he vanished into the wild, he left behind a book of 5,000 words, which for the next two and a half millennia would have shaped the Chinese way of thinking. Subscribe to the sayings of Lao Tzu and find out why generals with wisdom yield after winning the ultimate battle and how staying behind just might help you get ahead of others. The Sayings of Lao Tzu is available on all major podcast platforms. You're listening to The Bridge. We are a little bit off track. I think you're right. Actually, when I started uh, preparing for today's discussion, I was really thinking about how can we make immigration safer? What is immigration like? But now that I heard the last 20 or 30 minutes of your angle, where it's we should really be helping people in their own homes have better right. livelihoods. And I'm really I've changed my my perspective. And I bow to you for oh, no, no, being no, no, no. so well informed. And, and that is a really, really insightful way of looking at the world. I think you're right. I think if we could just make people's livelihoods and their prosperity better around the world, immigration wouldn't mm. be the problem that it is today. We wouldn't have the incidents like the one we started talking about at the beginning of the show. Oh. Right. Hope in your own hometown. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's what. Yeah. Um, and, you you know, people are interested. You you can spend some time studying about China's uh, poverty alleviation project mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that has mm -hmm. been so successful. Right. You know, think about can I have two more minutes? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, when people, you know, think they when they talk about China threat, like China's rise, mm. think about it from another perspective, like millions Millions of Chinese people who used to live in dire poverty have been lifted out of poverty and mm. onto a road of prosperity uh, because of China's poverty alleviation efforts. And if you imagine if all those people are still living like way below uh, the poverty line, that's a huge source mm, of unrest, mm, not just mm, for China, but for the world. Mm, right. Mm. And more people will be leaving China for other countries. Um, as maybe as illegal immigrants, if they can't find enough reason to stay where they are. Mm. But when it comes to China's poverty alle alleviation projects, it's very targeted. Mm. They they use the word very targeted. Like they have all these they call cadres because like they're just local level um, like government workers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, they will mm -hmm. actually find out to each household, find out what they can do, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what kind of uh, business or production they can generate from what they have. Mm. And and help them find ways to to make a living, mm, right? Maybe mm -hmm. if they live in the mountains, what can you produce in the mountains? What's suitable for 
uh, for growing here. And then they help to, you know, build the roads. And China is very well connected now mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. also with e-commerce. So why, why would they leave? You know, if they can find a decent job, they, they want to stay with their families, mm -hmm. right, with their loved ones and friends. And then because of this, um, this miracle, really, of um, pulling so many people out of poverty, mm -hmm. China is a lot more stable. And mm -hmm. with China a lot more stable, the world is a lot more stable. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I, I think for people who are, you know, listening to other people telling about, oh, China's rise is a threat. You know, think about it the other way. It's a source of stability. It's yeah. a great source of st stability, not just for China, for the whole world. <laughs> well, we're out of time. Uh, please listen in to our next episode for more insights and be part of Bridging East and West. Thank you for your time, baby. Thank you, Jason. We'll see you guys. Bye.